Well, I think I think that it's it's what's common throughout all of all of those works, whether it be the courses or the book, um, is that there is there is a there is something concrete again to produce. And I think that if if you're just studying and you're not building anything, you're very quickly going to lose interest. And so my always my first piece of advice is find a problem to solve first, and then learn whatever you need in order to solve it. If you just start studying a book. Uh, it's it's not going to get you what, what you what you want because you're going to learn the abstract. You're not going to learn anything about actually building something real with it. Welcome back to the Exploring Podcast. My name is Sejan. Thanks to each and every single one of you who come back every time to learn, to execute, and to exploit for a better purpose. And today. I am absolutely curious how a modern teacher gonna help us on becoming a better learners with his story as he becomes an honored as the best-selling instructors. So we have Boris Pascaway today, and I am among those people who enjoy consuming his content among different domains with fun. And Boris belongs to those people who put their blood and sweat into making things easier to the people around. And you know, they are absolutely rare on the planet. And I'm so glad about it. And it's kind of at opposite times with running. Like it's 8 p.m. around here and it's around early morning where Boris at. And I'm really not sure where he's at. I'm so excited. So, hey Boris, welcome to the show and where you are currently. <laughs> Hi, nice, nice to be here. Thank you so much for, for the opportunity. I am in New Jersey, so it is 9.40 a.m. in the morning here. Wow, wow. Thanks for being here. And again, I have an introduction for you. I got on the internet and I know that I've uh, been following you for quite a long time. So I'm going to go with the introduction in the first place and let's dive into the conversation next. What do you say? Mm-hmm. Sounds great. Before we move ahead, a huge shout out to Sundog Education for sponsoring this episode. Join over half a million learners across the world. You can learn machine learning, AI and big data just for $25 a month. All you need is some prior programming or scripting experience with a high school level math. With a lot of hands on activities and exercises, you can practice whatever you have learned. Visit sundog-education.com and sign up for a free trial course to start your journey towards a lucrative and rewarding career in the hardest technology. That's sundog-education.com. Now, on to the ad-free show. Boris Pascaver is a New York City-based software engineer, author, and consultant. He's also been an online educator on Udemy since 2016. And after graduating from New York University in 2013 with a degree in business economics and marketing, Boris worked as a business analyst, system administrator, and a data analyst for a variety of companies, including a digital marketing agency, a finance service firm, and an international tech paras. At one of those roles, he was fortunate enough to be challenged to build several projects with Python and JavaScript. And his small work interest quickly blossomed into a passionate weekend hobby Eventually, Boris left his former role to complete App Academy on rigorous full-stack web development bootcamp in New York City. And the rest is the history. <laughs> on top of everything, is the author of Pandas in Action at Manning Publications. Please help me to welcome Boris Pascaver. <laughs> Thank you so much. The biography makes me sound more interesting. <laughs> I know, that, that biography, I hope that will definitely make the other two be inspired a bit because I 
kind of think I I think they get more understood what sort of a person you are and what sort of a mindset that you are under with making decisions and taking actions in various situations in your life, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that that has a lot of impact again. So one of the thing when when I think when people are listening to the biography of you or just an introduction about you because I didn't go much deeper. I was just on the floor just talking about <laughs> the things because if I was supposed to talk everything about you, I think it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Take that time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So. So just from the high level overview about talking to you, uh, we know that, right, you've been into economics, right? And you spent almost around four, four plus, maybe four years more or just like that, being on that, right? And and also mm-hmm. next to that, you worked on web, right? You worked on learning things into programmatic approaches and which is way far different from economics or business strategies and everything, right? Yeah. But the, the amount yeah. of time that you spent on each are are quite wavy, right? They're like they're a lot of different. But yeah. it is the same thing for the people out there, right? Maybe for me, for the people out there who are all there, where they spent a lot of time on studying something and they stick to that, mm-hmm. even though they don't like it. They stick to that and they try to pursue the things that they really really don't like doing it every single day without the energy that they get, yeah. right? But you did it very easily. I don't think it's an easy thing. <laughs> but I think you made it so hard. Yeah, I'm sorry <laughs> to say it's easy because I'm gonna know how much hard is yeah. it now. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so I want you to walk us through that journey of making shift and also taking decisions in such a way that, that Mm -hmm. almost, almost, almost attacks your career path, right? Making switching, switching careers is almost jumping, jumping off the cliff, right? You're just jumping off the cliff from one to another. And it's super dangerous. And for everyone out there who are also being trying out that, it's kind of a bit afraid of, right? So how was those days? And can you just walk us through that time? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I, I come from a long family of economists. So my father was an economist, my grandfather, his grandfather, it's actually funny because when my mom and dad met in college, the textbook that they were using in their college class was written by my father's grandfather, the economics Oh textbook. my God. <laughs> so it's a long, long line of economists. And um, so I was, I did economics sort of because I, I didn't know what I wanted to do at 18. And my dad said, you know, if you don't know what you want to do, study money because money is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I, while I did study it for close to four years, I think I always, I didn't have as much interest in it as my, my parents did. I, I always liked, you know, economics and finding out all these things about how one variable affects another. But the economics that I learned in college was very abstract. Like what would happen if there's only one company and 10 competitors and so and so. I remember even asking my professor, I would say, well, can you give us an example of a, of a real life company that operates with this set of constraints? And he's like, well, it doesn't actually, it doesn't really happen in real life. We're just talking theory here. And I think that's kind of why I struggled with economics was there was no applicability. You, you can learn economics from a textbook for a thousand pages, but you can't do anything with it. You can't manage a million dollars out of school or, or, you know, run a federal reserve or anything. So when I graduated, even though I'd studied for four years, I didn't know what to do with an economics degree. Um, and that I think was a big contrast to when I discovered programming because programming I discovered on the job, it was at an employer. And so the very first thing was not, you know, learn programming abstractly. It was, here's a problem. I need you to solve it with code. And so I had to learn a new skill with, a problem in mind with something I had to build. I had to deliver code that would do a thing that would deliver the results they were looking for. And the fact that that was concrete and something that I could see and touch and write and see the errors in, that made it a lot easier for me to study that. Mm. And I think that's why 
coding in many ways I learned with a lot more passion than economics. You talked a little bit about doing something and learning something when you don't want to. Coding was the first technical skill I picked up that I was fascinated with actually learning and getting better at. Economics was four years of just <laughs> uh, uh, monopsony, monopoly, you know, supply and demand curves, all that stuff. So. But and again, you've been you've been into two different things now. I, I don't think you're into two different things, but yeah. I think if you go deeper, you're into various things and countless things that you've been dealing with. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I think I think that it's it's what's common throughout all of all of those works, whether it be the courses or the book, um, is that there is there is a there is something concrete again to produce. Mm. And I think that if if you're just studying and you're not building anything, you're very quickly going to lose interest. And so my always my first piece of advice is find a problem to solve first and then learn whatever you need in order to solve it. If you just start studying a book, uh, it's it's not going to get you what, you what you want because you're going to learn the abstract. You're not going to learn anything about actually building something real. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. Like what you meant is so true because when we try learning something, it may be in somewhere on your part of your brain that may lose out of like maybe like something called volatile maybe. So it's just like be like on your brain for mm -hmm. on top layer, right? <laughs> but if you try applying on something yeah. and doing it more deeper in real time as what you ask you for your professor to give me a real time example, like how did that work? Right? Yeah. When you know that it gets a bit deeper into your brain and, and be and reminds for a bit longer time than you should. <laughs> and, and you know, yeah. Yeah. forget right so that's a really cool idea and again so as you've been into both the things like economics and also into the software development uh, just because you know different things let's talk about a few different things right so i want to know uh, what part of economics is actually helping you till the time like there are like, various things that you have been learning when, when you are into economics like you've been learning a lot but i don't think everything that mm -hmm. you have learned would be helping till now right there are a few specific things which are so much important that actually helps us really a lot right so even maybe into software development yeah. or into life or into taking decisions or anything so for all the people out there who who can could actually get something from your economic experience and apply into their lives so that they yeah. could get more right so uh, what were those economics related things that Actually yeah. You the most. Yeah, I think I think it's funny because when I tell my dad, you know, I don't, you know, what did I learn in economics? He always tells me, you know, you learn about the value of time. You've learned about the value of money and how to prioritize and how to determine, uh, you know, what is most important in your prioritization. Economics is often called the dismal science, the depressing science, because it's all about what you do when you have constraints. Mm. And so you, you could look at it, the economics of money, but you could also look at the economics of time. What if I only have eight hours a day, but I need to do 10 hours of work? How do I prioritize what, what brings me more utility? What will bring me more success, more happiness, uh, more comfort? And so I think when you have those professors in college, I think what I took away from that was that, that value of appreciating many ways the time management parts of my schedule, many times the focus on what I needed to build next, where I needed to focus my energies next. So even if I wasn't figuring out, you know, how much money the state of New York should spend <laughs> on things in my own life, in my own finances, in my own time management, I think that that, that economics background did help with that. Absolutely. Wow. That's, that's, I mean, you, you just started being very optimistic and I really love that. Like you've been dealing with the things and I don't think economics just made you to learn about money, but more about your thinking and the lifestyle and more about uh, the thought process, right? <laughs> so that's so that's so great that you could able to yeah, get the thing. Absolutely, I, I think maybe your dad suggested to go ahead with that because he maybe already predicted that something would be happening with you, <laughs> right? <laughs> absolutely. So uh, 
but again but again yeah. when we when when we are in such a situation like you were into economics like we were just doing it because uh, it's been it's been recommended by some person in our lives right it's been recommended and we've been doing it and it's it's very common mm-hmm. right it's very you know uh, not surprising that people usually find that happening with youngsters specifically people are under age of 18 to 22 like 18 to 25 and just people does the same thing but but you made a step forward on figuring out and figuring out why and what is the thing that actually made me fascinating right and and i think yeah. what i think personally is that people out there are not, including me there was times that i was figuring out what is the one thing that i actually get connected so much like what is the what is the thing that i really love i don't know right we get that situation like i don't know yeah. i don't know what i really like i don't know what i'm really good at <laughs> right uh, it's kind of a bit weird but harsh reality yeah. the true thing uh we've been there and i think you've been yeah. there so i hope everyone been there so how did you figure out that what what do you really love i know how did you figure out you're passionate about yeah and it, it's 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 uh, it's a funny story i'd love i'd love to tell so much about you know me being the hero but a lot a lot of it has been has been a lot of fortune and a lot of and a lot of putting in work when when the time required it so i i was not doing programming out of college and i joined a job where i had to learn it i was not expecting to um, and so it's, that said, a lot of my fellow employees were also learning it, but I think I got that first opportunity to see what, what I was capable of doing with it. And once I had the spark at work, that's when it started becoming something that I was doing after, after work on the weekend. Um, and in order to be able to discover what that is for you, you simply have to try as many things as possible. Um, if there was, if, if there was one regret, it was that I didn't discover coding entirely until I had an employer. You know, I think everybody should try coding. I think everybody should try statistics, try machine learning, try, try martial arts, whatever, whatever. Uh, it doesn't have to be for, for a month for you to see whether you, you have a general liking for it. Um, so I think in, in, co- in college is supposed to be, I think, that time for a lot of people. But I unfortunately was so in the mindset of this is economics. I'm committed. I can't, I can't do another year. It's going to be too much money, too much credits that I wasn't experimenting enough. I wasn't trying new things. And once I got out of college and, you know, I went to an employer where they said, do you want to try this or this? And I said, well, let me try the one that's a little bit more technical. Let me try the coding ticket versus the writing ticket. Um, that led to a whole lot of um, uh, introductions to new technologies, new ways of thinking. It was the same way with um, <clears throat> with my courses because um, that started from a work request where somebody asked me to make uh, uh, videos for new employees on how to do pandas. And so, and so a lot of times it was... Um, you know, I wasn't looking to do it, but somebody said, have you ever had any experience with editing videos and recording yourself teaching? And I said, well, not really, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll try it. Discovered it, liked it, took it home, kept practicing, 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 and then eventually got better. Wow. The thing what you just said, right? There are the two things that you mentioned about, uh, just to getting it from back is that you just said about when someone asks you to get an opportunity like you are open to opportunities right you're open to explore new things yes. another thing that you mentioned about previously is about keeping ourselves open to explore various things and you also you don't need much long enough of time to know more about it right it's no. like it's like maybe about you know getting in 
to the introduction and just try not to figure out what it means to us and you don't you don't need to judge yet we just need to feel whether it fits us fits no. to us or not and that's it and that's it like right. people used to say that uh that's not a great way to do and that's not a good thing to follow it, it's for us specifically not for everyone right that's need to be you know discovered mm-hmm. and also people need to be conscious about another thing like i really like is that what you mentioned like when people asked you like about uh talking you, you know how to edit the videos and you said no but you tried you were you were supposed to give it a try right you just <laughs> give it a try and get it and, and yeah. guess what it went best selling right yeah. absolutely look at that i mean yep. we, did you ever expect that to be happening when you said yes for the editing <laughs> no no <laughs> absolutely so it's like i was i always tell people they say um don't worry about the how the how the how the details that comes later you know when 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 they offered me to make the videos i said what microphone am i going to use what's my screen recording software what's my computer you know what time those questions are so irrelevant the first thing you need is the inspiration to say i'm going to try it those details worry about them later they'll they'll be figured out in time yeah yeah, yeah. like like is that like a fire in the belly no matter what way you have it's like is it the internal yeah. fire that you wanted to do and then go ahead you will be doing somehow yeah. like maybe some other person would bring some other strategy but you never need to follow the same you you figure out in your own way and then try it out you don't need to follow yeah. the same yeah yeah and it's okay if it's not perfect it's okay <laughs> if you know if you if you want to try something you're inspired by somebody on youtube or somebody podcasting you want to start a podcast even if your first episode isn't the best audio or the best video or or anything that's that's fine because you put something out there that a million people didn't yeah. and then it'll get better over time as as we all do I think practice. this is one of the most important things literally this is one of the most important things what you mentioned here is that striving for perfection right people usually tend to strive for perfection uh, forgetting about the progress and the power of making every single day and taking it forward right and that's so true because when you said about the first episode right. i want people to check out my first episode how how was <laughs> it would be <laughs> it's kind of really hard you know i sometimes feel that but there are times i try changing it i tried replacing it but you know what i stopped myself i wanted mm-hmm. to be like that i really mm-hmm. wanted to be really bad <laughs> it's because it's because i want others to also feel i just wanted to give it such a kind of instance where they could check and they could also feel the same like the first episode is really not that great not even great it's like really bad right so i wanted them to feel it and now again i got a microphone a bit studio just like that and taking the things and it's so not a great thing and now the thing is it's getting better right we are getting better one person maybe yeah. in week or just like that right uh, and it's so kind of you and really yeah. great that you put out the content and you know and again the thing what you mentioned here is that when we try doing that it's very very rare that we get positive and negative together right so can you can you tell me yeah. about that because you've been into the industry for more long time dealing with negativity and positivity so what how did you deal with that like what is the best yeah i think i think that the thinking back at the worst form of negativity i usually received was apathy in the sense that it wasn't that people told me uh i couldn't do it or they gave me you know you're not capable of this but that they just didn't care you know like i'm making a course on the weekend i would say and they say okay cool there wasn't there wasn't that support um but for me i i i always focus on whether the the, the feedback is constructive and whether there's any way i can actually improve it ne- negativity can be a good thing if somebody says you know I liked your first podcast episode but the vo- vo- the vo- volume wasn't good right that's a good negative it's a negative it's something you can improve upon but it's a piece of feedback if somebody criticizes me uh, in a way that um 
I can improve upon. I think at this point, I've just learned to filter, filter out the, uh, the feedback. Um, I think it's, it's sometimes funny to see some of the, the reviews on Udemy because some of them are very, very, very good. I don't, I don't mind a one star as long as they give me a paragraph. Some of them are, are very, you know, like, uh, to the point of, I, I'm not sure how I can improve upon that. You know, like, I don't like the background of the slides that you did. I'm like, I, <laughs> I can't, I can't fix that. You know, or, or it's, it's funny. Some people say I talk too fast. Some people say I talk too slow. I don't know. That tells me I'm, I'm doing right. Um, but it's, it's important not to reject negative feedback as long as you're able to assess whether there's something of value that you can learn Mm -hmm. from it. Um, and similarly, it's important to go to people who are positive fans of you and ask them, is there something you're being very nice to me? Is there anything that I can do to make it better for you? Um, so, so when I get a five-star review and the student says, you know, excellent exclamation point, uh, I sometimes send them a message and I say, it's really great that you're enjoying it. Is there anything I can do to make your experience better? Um, because on either side, it's, it's the lack of clarity that makes it hard for me. Um, I can ignore the positive ones if it's a five-star because there's nothing to grow from there or the one stars, but I'm really always looking for what they can offer me that I can grow wow, with. Wow, wow, wow. I, I love the way that you captured it again. The thing is, it's not about, to just give you a very crisp word, Barbismant is really powerful. The thing is, it's not about positive. It's about it's not about negative. It's about where you could grow from either of them, right? It's all about where you could grow from them, like where you could figure out the things that helps you to become a better version, right? Uh, that's beautifully said. Wow, I mean, I, I could take it down and put it in a specific <laughs> way so that it will definitely help a lot of other people. Wow. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Again, so here's the thing, right? Uh, as I know you're into, you're, you're, you're just like a person who, who love to explore various things, right? Into different things. And mm-hmm. I, I find usually people, you know, switching from software engineering to machine learning or data analytics, right? It's, it's kind of, when we think about number of people who does that, uh, for me specifically, I have seen a lot of people who are switching from software engineering to data analytics and machine learning. But in your case, I think mm-hmm. it went a bit reverse, right? You were into data analytics yes. and then you switched into software engineering. So, <laughs> but in case of the person who is into software uh, engineering and into data analytics, when I ask them, they come up mm-hmm. with a kind of a you know specific pattern that there, are, there is a vacancy for the data analyst and then I be there because they get paid and they get uh, one of the hardest jobs maybe. Not now, I guess. So mm-hmm. it goes up and it goes up and the thing is, uh, it's all I've been there. But I'm kind of very, very curious to know like where that did happen. Like why did that from like a data analyst to a software engineer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because both roles are very, very critical. Um, I, I will say I was, I was not so much a data scientist, so I, I don't have a background in statistics. And so my data analysis was was pretty simple. Um, it was taking data that already existed and um, just at, you know calculating averages, sums, groupings for for the stakeholders that want information. I think the the real value of what a data scientist does is they try to predict the future, mm-hmm. and that and that's why there's so much money in is that they they can tell the software engineers what to build. Um, software engineers, a talented one can build whatever you want, but there's always the risk that you're not building for the right product, the right audience. And so I think the reason why I believe data scientists actually have higher salaries than software engineers is because it's a lot of risk to make that prediction. Here's what we should focus on the next six months based on previous data. I just had to analyze previous data. Um, I didn't have to predict what it meant about the next year. Um, but as far as, as far as my journey, I think 
it's, it's precisely for that reason that data analysis was observing what did happen and trying to summarize it. While in software, you build, you create something new. You, you start with nothing in the code editor and you have a working program. You know, even even the most simple thing like building tic-tac-toe the first time, I was just incredibly yeah. excited. <laughs> it's the simplest game. You're not going to get a job uh, <laughs> building tic-tac-toe. But the fact that I could build something that I played as a kid, the fact that, you know, I could build that or maybe I can build Tetris, you know, um, that aspect of constructing something with my hands and just hours, you know, I didn't need money. I didn't need a business. I didn't need a store. I just needed a computer and a code editor and a couple hours. And then I was playing Tetris by myself. That part was so much more exciting for me than just Excel and, and <laughs> sorting columns. So I think I think that's why software was more interesting to me than um, than data analysis. Uh, but I will say I, I now look in awe at data scientists because the work that they do to me is still incredible. I can't... I, I Never say never. Maybe someday I'll be doing it. But I look at some of the formulas, the the regressions, the the software, like the power of the computers they have to use, and I'm just in yeah. awe. Now I'm I'm actually wondering, what if your dad were a software engineer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he's learning pandas from my course. Wow, that's <laughs> so, so great. So maybe oh my someday. God, that's so great. I think your dad will be so happy of you. I guess we like, I mean, there are instances that you learn from your dad, but it's very, very rare on the planet or in the earth that, if, you know, your dad is learning from what you have done. Reverse. <laughs> but it's like, wait, because why, why I mean that? Because you, you, because you, your dad suggested you to get, get into economics and now you're prevailing so long into software engineering. Now, what if your dad were a software engineer yeah. in the beginning? Like, maybe. <laughs> then maybe, I, maybe I'd be the econ economist, yeah. Maybe I'd be teaching no, him economics. No, I didn't mean that, now. but I think you will be more higher in this office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you if you had introduced me, but I think I think the good news is I I've passed on the torch because I have uh, two sisters. They're twins. They're actually twelve years younger than me, and so I've I've luckily had the chance to teach them a little bit of software, and they were able to take those classes in in high school. So I think they're likely to be engineers yeah. now. So I think if my dad wasn't able to teach them, I think they're they're also not going to go down the economics path now, and that's probably because of me. Absolutely. And again, you couldn't complain. You couldn't complain to your dad saying that. Why didn't you introduce to me software engineering in the first place? But <laughs> yeah, right. Because no one never know what you like the most, right? You know what you really like, and you should figure that out. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Takes time, but yeah. Totally, totally, totally. And uh, it's so fun of you talking to you. I'm really, really loving it. <laughs> taking it forward, right? <laughs> I'm really loving it. And, you know, and some of the part is that, here's the crux, right? So when you were into economics and you, you've been there, and I know by just reading a few things on the internet about you is that you spend your evenings, right? The evening period of time for preparing something that you wish for, that you wish to admire for, right? That you wanted to become something that you were looking for so long. Right, and you took the evening yeah. times and maybe the weekends, which is so hard to lose, right? <laughs> so and then yeah. and then taking it to forward. But so this is one of the approaches that, that anyone out there could follow up, so that they could turn their internal passion or maybe the other passion of them to turn it into a full time thing, right? I think this is one of the approaches. But I think what I think yes. personally is that like there are a lot of challenges in it, <laughs> right? And I think you've been through a lot. So yes. can you just tell us about more about that journey of evening studying and turning it to your full time? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I, I recorded my first pan, my first course, which was the pandas course at my employer's office. <laughs> it's always a funny story. Cause I, I would finish up my day job around 6 PM. 
I would go get grab food in New York City. I would come back, and when everyone was gone from the office, I would sit in a conference room from maybe six thirty to maybe nine and eat dinner and record and study. Um, so I was trying to do everything I can to maximize, you know, so I wouldn't even lose the commute home until I was done with everything I wanted to accomplish. I would just stay in the office. In fact, I got into a little bit of trouble <laughs> because eventually they found out and they said, you can't be recording your, your course for profit here after work. It's our offices. Um, but I think it was, it was fortunate for me because I liked what I was doing at my work and my work was, I was coding during the day and then I was coding at night. And usually what I found is when I, when I was at jobs that I hated, by the time the day was done at six, I was exhausted. And, and that made it harder to come home and then do another two, three hours. The advantage I had with, with my, my job that back then was indeed was I was coding during the day and I was loving it. The time was passing quickly and I would make notes about, uh, you know, I would do some kind of problem during the day and there was something I didn't have the time to explore, but I still was interested in and I would write it down. And then when the day was over, it just felt like an extension. I was just transitioning to the same hobby that I was doing at work. And so there wasn't so much of an energy, energy loss. And I think it's, it's, it's a weird piece of advice for me to give people. But I would say if, if you're at a job that you hate, uh, many times switching that is a good first step to switching to the ultimate job you want later on. Because if you can at least find a place where you're not exhausted by the end of the day, it doesn't have to be the, the final job you want, but that's, that's the fact that I had a job during the day that wasn't stressful, that wasn't reducing all my energy that allowed me to have the time in the evenings to continue. Um, when I had a job that I hated, that's when I wasn't learning in the evenings because I was come home and it was junk food and video games and, and bed. <laughs> um, so I think if you're, if you're looking to transition, remember, just like we talked about with trying things out, try out a new job and see if you can find a friendlier schedule to learn. And remember that next job, you don't have to stick with that job for five years. You could stay there for the next year, have those evenings, have the, the, you know, hopefully a job where maybe you're not doing, let's say, let's say you're trying to transition into software engineering. Maybe you'll find a job where they'll let you write some software 20% of the time. Well, that's better than, than 0% of the time. Make that step, get energy throughout the day, write down what you want to learn, get a chance to talk with other engineers. Even that's a step in the right direction. And then that usually tends to give you the energy in the evenings and the weekends to continue studying. Wow, wow. But but I'm kind of a bit afraid if you if you say yes for your transitions, even if you have a family to take care of. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, I was fortunate. Yeah, I was, I, I made these transitions when I was 24, 25. So I think, uh, but I, but I also think, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's scary for a lot, for a lot of people, but I, but I also think it's, it's scary to sit still. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, 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 um, sometimes you just, I feel, I felt like I was, I had to make a move. Yeah. And I think, I think at that point I found the energy at times when I, when I needed yeah, it too. Yeah, yeah. But the thing, what I, what I really feel a bad bit about is that, you know, uh, we try to go on the basis of money, right? We try to go with the, with the basis of like, we've yeah. been biased about it, right? Uh, we, we just look for the positions that, that can, could, that could eventually pay you more than the rest or then uh, that could actually pay you, give mm-hmm. you more an uh, amount of position or the fame or kind of a position in society that mm-hmm. could actually grab you in a better way that we look for that instead of actually looking for the core positions, 
right? So like yes. we just look at it, but eventually when they try getting into it more deeper and they work on every day about the things that you really don't like, but just the position and just the fame and the salary that they're getting. It's like, I think that's yeah. where the true thing happens. They try to think about, they wanted to switch it to something that they really love. They wanted to change the care, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to be really hard at the time, <laughs> right? And yeah. that's the core thing. And that's the turning point where they bend it, where they bend their whole lifestyle to a certain direction that they yeah. love instead of other people loving it, right? Where the people would have been doing there, right? Yes. Absolutely. And I really love it. And, and again, as you've been uh, speaking about, you've been journey, your journeys from 21 to 24. And again, getting back to that times, from here, right, mm. from the place where you are at now. So if you were able to find a person like a 24, so 21 to 24 around the guy who's been there. So now you as a Boris, like into various things and been explored such long things. And uh, what would be your words of advice mm. for that person? Like, what would you speak to them? Yeah, I think when I look back at what I'm unhappy about in my, in my early twenties, I think one easy statistic I can look at is what did I produce? Um, even if it wasn't something that people paid for, even if it wasn't something that people watched, when I look back at my Google drive or my computer folder, there wasn't so much in my early twenties. I wasn't making anything. There wasn't code. There wasn't videos. There wasn't writing. I kind of just went through life and worked and, and went home and, 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 and in comparison, if I look back at the last five years with the courses, it's like I have 160 hours of video <laughs> content stored in my hard drive, you know? Wow. And so I'd say, if I'd say to all, I'd say to myself and I'd say to other young people in their 20s, you should be learning, of course, but all of us are learning to a certain extent. You should try to put something out there. It doesn't matter if it's on YouTube or an article on Medium or a course on Udemy or a blog post on your website. If you have some kind of record, if you're doing, if you're creating something like that will live on in eight years that you can look back. If you're a musician, right? You should be writing songs that you can look back on eight years later. If you're a movie maker, you should be making (laughs) movies that you should look back at, even if they're bad. So my regrets is that I I wasn't producing. And if I had, if and that that tells me I wasn't trying really to learn. I might've been reading an article, but I wasn't applying it. Whenever you apply things, you tend to produce a good or a service. And so I would tell them, make, think about what, what you can make, even if nobody's going to pay for it, even if it's just for your own history to keep, make something, produce something with your hands, with your brain, with your time, make something that you can look back on. And usually if you keep making stuff, eventually you're going to find what you're good at, uh, what you can produce and what other people ultimately will, will pay money for. Mm. Well, I mean, you, you, you literally shared about the things you were being so vulnerable here, sharing the things that you were missing and you felt regret about. And uh, maybe I think for the people out there, they could actually fast forward themselves. How would that be if, it's, if there was a lie that you could fast forward yourself and think about what are the regrets that you would be doing at the time, yeah. <laughs> right? And then we come back and then we try to fix them up. But yeah. it's a kind of a, a fancy fairy tale maybe, <laughs> but that's okay. But it's, it's, it's a fairy tale, but it's possible. I say to anybody listening to this, I say, whatever you're passionate about, there's something you could put out by the end of today mm-hmm. that would be you trying that thing. Yeah. And, and, and if you, if you get rid of all the negativity about nobody's going to watch it, nobody's going to pay for it, who cares? No, you know, put something out there today. You don't need to wait for the perfect time or moment or technology or, or resource. Just, just use your time, put out something yeah, today. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and, you know, taking that things more forward and doing the things what you really love. And I think 
as a person to feel more energetic about what we do is like we keep rewarding with something right we maybe we go about the over mm-hmm. the weekend we try watching a movie and then reward ourselves and we cook something cook something and eat and feel good about what you have done so far and one other thing for brain for specifically about brain and heart how you could reward them it's like maybe you feel more gratitude you feel more happier about what people you have been doing for the so long and you've been creating an impact on the other people's lives right so like uh when we talk about more into that mm-hmm. like how you could actually how do you do that in your in your case like how you could keep yourself positive and then try not to think that you're not worrying about the negativity coming onto your head but you keep that away and then work on the things that you love for yeah yeah <laughs> i have i have a very simple solution uh that i a basic gratitude journal i keep it in google sheets mm. i actually send myself an email every day to remind myself and for every day i write three things that i'm grateful for it could be anything could be lunch could be the courses could be work and then three things that i want to get better at it doesn't have to or three things i could change it doesn't have to be in the next year it could be in the next day it could be something silly like i ate this lunch today my stomach didn't play well with it don't yeah. eat it again so i could write that piece <laughs> of advice to myself or it can be something like get a better microphone and so i have three things that i remind myself that i'm appreciative for every day and three things that i can improve upon and i do that daily mm-hmm. And surprisingly, you know, I do 365 days a year. I do a thousand appreciations and a thousand things to improve upon. And I never run out of ideas because there's always something silly that I can, that I can, that I can improve upon or learn about. My, I don't like my toothpaste. Get it, get a different, buy, buy a different brand of toothpaste tomorrow. And I follow up on those things every month and I see what I, what I, what I did and what I got better at. And it's, it's fun to look back and realize how much you actually optimize all these little details of your life. uh if you, if you remind yourself how much you've accomplished so yeah, far yeah 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 uh, totally i mean that's so cool what you just uh, said is about you know splitting splitting them into two things splitting them into two things is like you work on the things that what you're happy about and the things what you need to improve to be more happier right this list the thing yeah. what you're looking to improve will eventually convert to the list number 1 right so where you could be more happier yeah. so i yeah. mean that's kind of a really crazy way that i tried connecting the both the things but you made it so cool <laughs> and again right so it's so fascinating again but but the thing is people i usually suggest to people and saying that like write journal and keep keep track of what you've been yeah. doing right but again again <coughs> excuse me from all of my friends what i usually tend to hear back is that where it helps you really like i i been i been getting back after a month seeing that journey but i don't feel anything <laughs> they just said that literally <laughs> and i couldn't i couldn't you know tell more about the importance of it but the thing is they said that the same like i've been following it up but i don't feel anything but that's okay like it's a normal thing but I want to know and for my friends either Sorry. from you yeah. because you've been doing so far and you know the value of it and you know the impact either so what time and what places of in our life that churning really makes a lot of impact oh boy <laughs> the times and i think i mean for me for me it continues to make to make an impact um and but i think my the the early 20s for me and the mid 20s i think are still for most people is is when when they're discovering and i think that's when when i when i when i was still learning and and i would say as another piece of feedback is is don't worry if you don't have things figured out at 20 or 22 i still think you're you're growing at that point and i think um for me the critical turning point was was around 24 25 yeah 
So now, like getting into more about, about your expertise, specifically about the thing that you never thought of is like video creation and content making and teaching others, right? Let's talk about more about mm-hmm. it. Like, let's go a bit deeper into that so that people mm-hmm. who are actually wishing for creating online content would definitely help a bit from you, maybe uh, at least more than a bit. Uh, everything helps. Like at least the bit is so much happy for me and for you either, <laughs> right? So that's what I'm going to tell you. So <laughs> the thing is... Uh, I want to know, like, uh, for the people who are beginning it right away, like, wanna, they have a good content and they know they are trusting it, they believe in what they could do. But the question mm-hmm. what they get is that, like, is it okay to go with YouTube or is it okay, is that good to go with Udemy? Yeah, I think I think YouTube is a is a great place. I think again, it's it's YouTube is is a marketplace, but that's free, so you can see whether your content can find an audience without people mm-hmm. paying for it, which is which is a good sign. It means people are interested in what you have to produce because uh, if pe- if if you have ten thousand people watch your video, that means there's interest, and some percentage of those people will be interested in paying for that content. If conversely you produce, you know, a 10-hour video and nobody watches it, that may be a sign that that's just not the topic that you want to you want to make. Um, I wouldn't go that far and make, you know, an experiment of a 10-hour video, but start with, a, you know, whatever you want to do, a 20-minute video, five, 10-minute videos. Produce something over the weekend and see if you can share it with people you know. See if you can get a little bit of, of um, attention to it. Um, and again, it doesn't have to be a viral hit. It just has to prove that that there's enough of an audience. You know, if you get a couple subscribers, I remember when I got my first one, I was already <laughs> cheering and <laughs> super happy. Um, YouTube, YouTube is a great place to, to YouTube's the most like, the number one or number two most visited website in the world. Um, lots of tech technology there, lots of different interests. So it's it's a good place to start. I have videos on YouTube um, and and just see again, it, it, it doesn't. Worrying about the platform as well and the price to me is is a little bit too early for somebody starting out. If you're producing content, produce content first. Don't worry about how long it has to be. Don't worry about what who's going to watch it. Don't worry about the microphone. Just make something more than you made yesterday. And then if you want YouTube, Vimeo, Udemy... You'll figure that out. Yeah, and I think the journey lets you help you even more better, right? When you try doing it. And somehow the way we never know which actually helps us the most. And then we should be sticking with that and taking it more ahead, right? I think that definitely helps. Your answer will take it more yeah. ahead. Yeah, totally. And here's the thing, right? And again, everyone out there who wants to try getting ahead. There is one one kind of a thing in their head. Is that how can I make this course not just another Udemy course or not just another YouTube course. Like, how could they actually try doing that? Yeah, that's that's a question that every instructor on Udemy is is debating. I, I can say <laughs> when, when I was making my Pandas course, part of the reason why I wanted to make it was because I was unhappy with what was available. And so at the time, there was every course was three and a half, four and a half hours long. And I said, there's no way I can learn pandas or teach pandas in that mm-hmm. amount of time. And I was unhappy and I was struggling with it. And, and we talked about the idea of opportunity. Like instead of saying, there's no, there's no good pandas course out there. Ah, uh, how about making know, one? Uh, unfortunate. How about yeah. making one? <laughs> That's exactly what my thought process. Yeah. Like, and the, and the best part was the documentation had all of the content. I just had it to read it, organize it, make my own examples. And I, 
that was the entire thought process. It wasn't, I wasn't thinking about Udemy. I wasn't thinking about it had to be 20 hours long or 15 or 25, or it had to be the Blue Yeti microphone or the Blue Snowball microphone. I just said, I'm having a hard time learning this. I know it better than these guys in the courses do. I can make it a lot longer. I need to find some data sets. And I just started. I didn't have the whole course planned out. Yeah. I just made it. And I think at the end of the day, if I, if I look back on Udemy, that Pandas course, my very first one, is still the most successful one, which is very funny to me because I've improved on audio, <laughs> you know, teaching, video, but it's still the most successful one. And I think it's because it, it was that aspect of supply and demand, now coming back to economics, where there just wasn't, there wasn't something, there wasn't a course that existed that I wanted. And I assume that other people felt the same way. So I would say when, when you're thinking about, when you're thinking about what you want to do on Udemy, if there's something you know, or many times quite the opposite, you're, you're struggling to learn something because there's not enough resources. That may be a good sign that nobody has made a good course on that yet. And that may be the course that, that you want to make rather than competing with all of the big sharks and the 60 hour web development courses. Maybe you know something unique or exclusive or niche that's very, that could be that could be the course that works well for you. Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, such a kind of a beautiful insights that I don't think a YouTube video would be giving, right? You've just been so practical at the time. No. <laughs> so taking the examples <laughs> of your own and experimenting it and, you know, thinking the thought process. I think it's it's a kind of a question that we need to ask yeah. every time that we're supposed to do something so good that you feel about, right? It's about that question, right? And the question that you ask is like, what is that is that really helping a lot of people who are learning pandas and the answer is no and you're on stairs that you're reaching on top and creating on that right <laughs> it's a kind of framing yep. such questions right framing such a kind of questions and also figuring figuring out the solution not caring whether it's a fully ended or not right maybe it if we were fully ended like is that really helping we don't know like maybe it may be helping a lot of people because your maybe. thought process maybe so much powerful than anything out there and it did for you right it literally did for you <laughs> it did yeah that's why that's why it's it's, it's funny it's funny because it's it's like i did not expect any of this i didn't i didn't i didn't anticipate that it would that it would have a hundred thousand plus students or lead to a book i just i just felt like there wasn't enough good pandas videos <laughs> i wanted to and make you already know that i'm and, a person uh, I, i'm a part of your guy a part of the true <laughs> as a student that i really love the way that you and again to just give a shout out for burberry's every time i prepare for an interview of data science as an intern or anything i always go to the bookmarks that i made in burberry's and that's it. Like it goes up because I could, I actually could relate to Bowie's talks, and his voice is always in my mind when someone's giving me questions. I speak the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it goes up, and that's how it, the beauty is that, and and that's it, right? And it powers up more to make it forward. But here's the thing. Here is the thing about when we make the course right, and then. Um, not only the course what we make, but everyone out there on the planet, we 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 specifically the you know research says that are like like tw less than twenty percent of the students are completing online course, right? Uh, specifically, yeah. like talking about online courses specifically, like uh, which is very low completion rate, honestly, like twenty percent rate, right? But so, what is your strategy mm. that you how you could keep a good completion rate to your students uh, for, uh don't ask That's... for me because i was so hungry and i was so on fire so i did it <laughs> so how do you do it in general yeah i i think i'll say one one thing before that which is which is again it, that may not be a bad thing you know if if you have a if you have a 60 hour course and you finish 30 hours and you get the job you know th those kinds of details are hard to capture in um in statistics and the other factor i know for example when i 
I'm writing a book on pandas now. And when I was talking with the, the publisher, they said the majority of people don't finish the tech books either. <laughs> uh, they, they actually, the, the, the average person does about 50%, but they still sell copies. They're still valuable. Um, and so I think that's not necessarily a, a bad thing. It's, 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 and I, again, I think, um, when I start a course, even though I, I also like that aspect of I'm going to finish 100% of it and get all the check marks. It's important to also remember, like, it's not about watching 60 hours of video. It's about learning a skill that you can use to get a better job or, or to improve your life. So it, it's not a bad thing to me if you don't finish a course. It's, it's a bad thing if you don't start a course. <laughs> that's, that's what we should really be concerned. But I think it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, I think as far as attention, I think my, my personal philosophy, and this is something I, I want, want to improve about the Pandas course. I think it's actually a weakness of it is that you learn best through doing not through through watching somebody else do. And I think if I observe the best course on the platform, there is video teaching, but there's always more assignments and actual examples where the the student can practice what what they've been taught. Especially if it's it's very short increments. So 30 minute 30 minutes of teaching, then 30 minutes to work on their own assignment. That's really where the brain remembers, makes the mistakes. Um, the way that you teach is different from the way that you learn because as a teacher, you, you leave out all the mistakes. I don't want to show them, you know, you could type this incorrectly and this is this error. And as a, you know, if you do this incorrectly, you'll get this. That's not what students want because students want to see the right way to do it, the solution. But that's not how we learn when we're actually practicing on our own. That's when we see all those errors, all those bugs. And so it's hard as a teacher because you have to try to get the student interested enough to try it on their own and be comfortable moving past those mistakes and continue uh, reaching that point of understanding. That's very hard to do, especially on an online platform where you can't see them face to face, where you can't see how they're coding as you're doing it. Um, but I'm trying trying different different things, assignments, quizzes, video assignments where I explain what's what I did and how I did it. All of those things I think are, if I watch the best instructors on Udemy, they all have it. Uh, across the totally, board totally totally and i'm i'm kind of bit afraid now if you could go and check my name how much completion rate i did but uh you couldn't expect 100 percent. i i did all uh, entire course but the thing is i didn't check any of them because if i check them i'll get a certificate and i'm done <laughs> right i don't want it to happen That's and right. then you know i can still go regular to that because only when i get an issue right i don't go every day because i just go whenever i feel so hard understanding a concept and then jump back to yours and then try learning it from there right totally yeah. and i, I and that when you spoke about uh, learning and also about teaching right this actually made me to ask you a question like uh, when we try actually teaching something to someone we tend to create a kind of a pattern in our brain right subconsciously we create a pattern of explaining something and we figure out a way that how we could reach the other person's brain in a very optimized way and a very you know strong way that they could relate and they could actually be a more impact on it, right? They could never forget, like in such a way, right? We, we try to figure out a pattern. We try to figure out a way to reach their brains easier and impactful, right? So mm -hmm. I want to know, like, what is your teaching style? Like what sort of patterns that you create when you try teaching something? Not just pandas, but anything, because you've been into this for quite a long time. Yeah, I think it, it's hard to give a name for this, for this skill, I guess you can call it. But I, I've always liked the idea of, of linear learning, meaning having a sense before you teach the second topic, what are the prerequisites? Um, and so what I try to do is I put together, as I put together my lesson content is I literally go through the words or, or the coding examples 
and I say, have I taught the prerequisites to this before Mm. this lesson? This is a mistake a lot of instructors make where they, for example, they might be teaching pandas and you might say, you're going to create a series with a list and the lesson is valuable, except you never ask, well, have I taught the student what a list is first? Have I taught them the prerequisite? And a lot of people forget that. And, uh, and I think for me, I've always had that sense of, of trying to remember as if I know nothing, as if I'm learning it for the first time, have I introduced prerequisite topic A before I teach topic B? Uh, and that's, I think, a, a skill that, I, that I've developed also over the years as I, as I prep, prep new courses that I think is incredibly valuable. Everything should be able to go from linear, from point A to B to C to D, such that you, you should try to get it so the student doesn't have to guess um, to fill in those holes. Sometimes that can be a good thing because the student can learn through that, but I like to be able so that you can go from the beginning of the course to the end and everything builds upon it. In the same way that in mathematics, you have to teach addition before you teach multiplication. <laughs> you can be an excellent multiplication yeah. teacher, but if you don't know how to add numbers together, you're not going to be able to explain that to a student. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That, that was just literally blew my mind. Like, I'm just thinking it more deeper. It was so much connected. I mean, so, I mean, I, I made it. I'm just saying it because I really made it. What you meant. It's like so true because we forget, about, we forget to think about it, right? Like instantaneously because we've been there and we expect other to be also in the same position where we are at, right? Which is kind of a bit hard, right? Yes. And, uh, and guess what? The world is huge and people are different. And different people have different mindsets, and fa- reaching them is one of the challenging yeah. things. <laughs> and yeah, totally. And yeah. we spoke about in the perspective of teacher, but how about talking about the student perspective as well, right? Ta- let, let's go in the deeper terms. Like you design your courses or your learning things or everything in a certain way that you would be expecting that your students should be following in such a pattern, right? So you might be thinking like this is the time that you should be doing that that mm-hmm. thing, and they should become more stronger in things what you are teaching them. Right. So, oh, if you get a chance to speak to all of your students <laughs> in a conference room, <laughs> all of your students, I mean, for almost around three lakh students, <laughs> I don't think it would be possible. But anyhow, I wish it should for you in person. Yeah. Wow. I should be there for the first place. <laughs> so and you got a chance to talk with us and I'm being there as well. I'm going to be I'm in the first row. <laughs> I was kidding. Yeah. So so what would be your words for us? Words, words of advice for them. I, I think it would be it would be the same uh, advice in reverse. So I would say, ignore, don't don't worry about everything that I do. Make your own mistakes, mm-hmm. and 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 make your own uh, make your own bugs, make your own errors. If I teach you how to add in the in the video, then try subtracting. Wow. <laughs> you know, if I teach you how to do this one way, do do the opposite. Um, that's that's where try to try to predict. Uh, what I'm going to teach next, try to predict what, what step two is based on what, what I'm setting up. Um, th- that kind of initiative in, in sense, in the sense that you're not, you, you're not putting all of your faith in the teacher or the platform. You're, you're stretching out, you're learning how to learn yourself. That is so much more critical. That's what I wish I could give to, to, to other students because it's, it's beyond just data analysis. It's, it's if I could, if I could, if I could teach you how to read the pandas documentation and just make sense of it, that's so much more of a critical skill than just the specifics of, of the library. It's kind of going back to the old, you know, um, give give a man a fish for a day versus teach a man to fish. Yeah. Teach, teaching a person how to learn, how to research, how to make mistakes is something that took me years. And that's a lot harder to teach than just how to manipulate data in one library. Um, 
that's what I would wish to, to impart and, and, and tell people make, make mistakes, learn. You're, you're the teacher, not, not me. You're the students, the teacher at the end of the day. Wow. <laughs> you just gotta you just gotta experiment i mean you you never take a chance i mean you never lose a chance to actually blew me and also you know stun me again with all your <laughs> optimistic answers they are really great also so much relatable to me specifically and i and i think it will be related to everyone person who is listening to out this because that's so true right uh, i feel sometimes like the education system currently is kind of a bit lagging and teaching and teaching how to learn like learning teaching about learning yeah. about how to learn right learning how to learn this is the one that yeah. they, they teach you about the things but i think not realizing the most powerful thing more than the subject is about teaching how the other person can be learning on their own right so it's yes. kind of a place where it's kind of bit uh, still figuring out maybe the industry in the education systems out there but but how about the same way if you get a chance to speak with the education society <laughs> education system maybe in your place where we are at i mean i'm from india so uh, everywhere globally yeah. the education is kind of a bit similar and uh, sometimes we all hate it and sometimes we all love it <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah totally again so uh, so i'm just giving you a bit of lag here just because i want you to think about it again so what would be your words for the education council that that they could make decisions yeah, i Yeah, I think whenever I teach somebody programming, what I what I like the least is not when they make mistakes, but the fear they have when they see a bug on the screen. And I think it's because it's because the education system it's it's again, when you learn calculus, you know, there's only one way to do it right. And if you get it wrong, they give you an F on the test. They give you kind of there's an F in India, but they they fail you. And it's, and it's, and it's, you know, we don't do enough exercises. Like imagine doing a test where you're given somebody else's solution, somebody else and telling what's wrong with it, right? Not being scared of it being wrong, analyzing where something went wrong because we're, we only teach people the, the correct path, the right way to do it. And that gets them so scared when they're talking to a computer because a computer is a lot more vicious and it'll tell you you're wrong and people get so scared. And I say, well, why? You can just copy in, into Google and, and, and it'll tell you what you did wrong. But it's the fear. And that's, that's I think, something that education is missing is, is that um, it's very literal. It teaches like a textbook. It doesn't teach you the, the aspect of being okay with it being wrong and, and, and also being comfortable with the fact that being wrong is usually the first step. You're usually going to get the math problem wrong when, you, when you're learning it for the first time. You don't understand it. And so I think it's it's – I would tell the education system to, to to teach students to be more comfortable learning to to be okay with failure at the beginning um and experimenting it's like I I don't want somebody to lose an interest in a subject because they think that the first time they solved the problem they got it wrong that they don't have the capacity to learn it they do it's it's no it's not just it's not just uh, okay it's it's not just bad it's 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 okay <laughs> it's okay to get it wrong the first time but we don't communicate that i think in in yeah. schools that uh, often. instead we try we actually get afraid of it along with the people around we afraid yeah. together <laughs> right so it's yeah. also very true and also we try copying the solutions <laughs> just because covering up ourselves because we are not afraid <laughs> so uh, kind of yeah. a bit lag in that say, in that vents i mean it's it's so true and it's genuine and i'm being i'm a student either so it's it's all absolute so uh, and again right so I know that you're into app academy after getting into economics and also getting into a data analyst mm-hmm. and you strive into it and you and you mm-hmm. learn it over any year like you've been into a lot of things and then you actually went into another position mm-hmm. like software engineering right so 
Mm-hmm. The thing is, what I'm trying to question you is that you are into college, right, for almost years, and then you are also into a private organization where they teach you about a specific thing, right? So now yeah. I hope you already got my question. <laughs> so uh, what? What if? What if? <laughs> like, if you wanted to give the best out of both, right? If you wanted to get get the best out of both, so yeah. Can you just can we just talk about mm-hmm. the best intersection of the both the things and we talk about the best. So what are the best yes. at academia and what are the best so, at the the sectors of where we learn individually? Come on, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So I I was happier with App Academy than I was with my four year college education and and App Academy was actually one of the first coding boot camps uh, that allowed you to pay after you graduated. The idea is that you pay a percentage of your first year salary instead of paying them at the very beginning of your education. And the reason I love that, especially after having gone through college and gotten myself in debt, is because they were promising me that they had to give me something of value in order for them to make money as a business. Right? And I think and I think that that idea was so brilliant to me at the time um because it, it, everyone was incentivized. The student wanted a job, um but they but they didn't they didn't want to put all their money at the very beginning to a company that how do you know, you know, you want $20,000 or whatever to teach me how to code? I don't know if, if I'm going to be able to do this. Why should I trust you? They turn the model entirely on their head. They say, it's in order, in order for us to have a sustainable business, we have to be successful teaching you to get a job. Um, and it, I think attracted a high quality of, of instructor there, a high quality of students. And, and I think that is the future of the future of education. That's how I would do it. You know, uh, prove, prove to me the value of what you do. I think Conversely, looking back at my four-year college education, the the challenge there was that um, I graduated with debt and I didn't know anything concrete that I could apply to to getting a real job. The advantages, I think, of those institutions was that they have the professors many times are very esteemed, very knowledgeable. They know their subject, so you can attract a higher quality of a teacher. And just the, the resources that a university has, whether it be groups or clubs or or financial resources, classroom size, technology, all of that was a lot was a lot better. If you can kind of combine that, and I think universities are starting to move in that direction where it doesn't have to be a four-year degree. It could be a two-year thing to teach you a technical skill. You don't need four years to learn to, to be a data scientist. You can learn it in, in two or three, really, or maybe less. Um, and if you if you have a kind of incentive where the student is incentivized to learn, the teacher is incentivized to do their best, and the university is incentivized to deliver the best resources – that's, I think, the future of education, and that's going to help solve a lot of the, the problems right now with debt and students graduating with no real skills and, and, and all that stuff. I think that boot camps are the start of, of what probably will be an education revolution in the next decade. Wow, 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 wow. And again, <laughs> that's truly, and again, I think if you if you get a chance to actually start a, a kind of a educational platform, I think you would be definitely having the best of both, right? Certainly, because <laughs> you've yeah. been there. And I think, and I think we'll the points what you mentioned will be absolutely there and they're going to be best-selling again. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> we'll see. Absolutely, again. I mean, uh, but but here's the thing, right? Usually when, we, when we're just talking about the education platform, there is a lot of times that I usually find a lot of online instructors, maybe not just in Udemy, but also in many other platforms, uh, instructors tend to move off from Udemy. Right, they they always look for a chance. They tend yes. to they look for a chance at a point of time where they actually pivot from the existing platform like Udemy to their own site, to their own platform where they could teach on their own. Right. No one. So can you just talk it? Tell us more about it because we never yes. know about it. Like why do people do that? <laughs> so what was the reason behind it? Yeah. So so 
U- Udemy, Udemy is probably the world's largest e-learning marketplace. So they have, I think, something like 50 million uh, students. So if you're starting out and you're looking to get organic search traffic to your course and you don't have a brand, you don't have any, any, any anybody knows about you, that's a good place to start. They'll take care of all the credit card processing, the video hosting, the technology. You just can upload the videos. Mm-hmm. And Udemy generally takes about 50% roughly of, of each course sale, um, which depend, depending on who you talk to, some people say it's, it's right. Some people say it's too much. Some people say it's not enough. It, it depends. Um, but I think as some instructors start to grow their own brand and they have their own Twitter following, their own social media presence, um, and they have enough of a name, I can think of some instructors on the platform like Colt Steele, uh, maybe Tim Buchalka, uh, Angela Yang, Angela Yu. Um, they are so popular that, that students will buy their course just because their name is on it. And so they look to transition to their own website where they can kind of cut out the middleman of Udemy and, and take more, more of the sale, um, have more control over their prices, their content. Um, I have not done that yet. Um, I haven't, I've been pretty neglectful towards my, my social media <laughs> and my, and my, my marketing. And I, and I think that's partially because as I, as I said back then, I wasn't worried about growing my brand. I was just worried about making a pandas course because there wasn't a good one out there. <laughs> so my, my path is different than theirs, but I, I respect, I respect their decisions. I, I, I have my course on a couple other platforms if they reach out and ask, but I haven't thought about creating my own one yet, but it's definitely a possibility in, in the future. Yeah. Um, again, it's, it's, I have to think about, it's like I said, it's not all about maximizing every single dollar. It's about, am I, is there, is there somebody I can help? Is there, is there something I can offer that isn't in the marketplace? And if I wanted to do that, if Udemy doesn't have the technology for it, could I do it somewhere else or with my own technology? Then I'd consider those questions, um, and I might consider it yeah, in the future. And I think uh, is also aware of this. <laughs> so for all the strategies, and I think it's already aware and I know it's letting it go. <laughs> Anyhow, it's all the race and we all strive for the things what we wish for. And yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And uh, you know, you know, right, when we t- talk about the online learning and the pandemic was a huge shift, like a huge thing for all the online learning platforms, but also for the people who are learning in person, got a shift to yeah. online, right? And now... Uh, People mm-hmm. like you are, are being more experienced, are being more value now, right? <laughs> right, you get down to the regular because it's because you've been you've been yeah, experienced into online teaching, right? You've been a bit more into that, right? So, uh, what do you say about the impact of COVID pandemic onto the world yeah. class education? Like, where is going to be more online? It's 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 a weird it's it's kind of weird to talk about because this year has been the my best year on <laughs> Udemy. <laughs> So I want the pandemic to end, but I don't want the, the students to stop learning. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of transition. I, I've, I've been learning a lot more on Udemy this year too, just because I have, I don't have my one hour you know, commute anymore so I can study in the morning, study in the evening. Um, I, I think still though, that even though more people are, are, are um, learning, there's more to Zoom uh, one-on-one training now. There's Zoom classrooms. I have seen colleges where they have, you know, the the professor in front of eight, you know, or twenty TV screens, each with a student looking at them. It's they're they're trying to innovate, but I still think there's so much more left to to innovate on. You know, there's still, you know, Udemy is technology mostly focused, and and but but things like let's say uh, regular education. You know, there's millions of 
kids in middle school and high school, uh, what if you could find the best calculus teacher in the United States and have them teach a Zoom every morning? You know, if you're going to be at home, you might as well be taught by the best person who knows math in all the country. You know, there's still those aspects that are interesting as well as um, the technology has so much room left to uh, to grow. I think with, with things like machine learning, we're not that far off from a place where you don't even need a teacher to grade a student's exam. A computer can look over it, understand what the student has written, and figure out how the student is incorrect in their thinking, and then give them their own explanation. And then a computer can, in many ways, customize or tailor education precisely to what a student needs. Udemy is the same videos for all 100,000 students, but eventually technology is going to get to the point where every student is going to have their own custom, unique learning experience just for them. And that's, that's going to happen. It just might take a decade, but technology is, if we can, you know, if we can, if we can create these kinds of apps for, you know, incredible, you know, incredible technologies, we certainly can, can make a teacher computer about how to, how to teach. Absolutely. Totally. Totally. I I completely agree with what you meant. And, uh, I wish for the things getting better and also it's absolutely getting better, but, uh, but the, but the sad part is that it would be affecting something else. (laughs) They're all correlated and we couldn't be doing it anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know yet. It's okay. That's okay. That's okay. So, uh, but here about the thing, right? Let's get into more technical now. Okay. We've been talking about various things, mm-hmm. but getting into more technical about, you know, coding, right, specifically for the beginners out there, everyone. So uh, what's the best way? Like, this is a usually common question for the first years, because I have a lot of my friends who are into getting into first year. So, uh, you know, they what's the question, common question that I usually find is that, uh, uh, Teja, what should I start learning first? And where should I start? And yeah. what should I be doing? Like, you know, I, sometimes I feel like sharing, sh- saying that you should figure that out. Sometimes, but the thing is, when I say that, yeah, when I say that, uh, they tend to object me saying that. Uh, please say, bit, let's be a bit more specific. Please say, <laughs> like, let's be more specific. <laughs> you get that right? So, yeah, uh, I want to know your version of answer because uh, uh, because I want to answer them. <laughs> that's that's a good question. I feel so guilty when people say, "How should I start programming?" and I say, "What do you What are you interested in learning or doing?" Because they're like, I don't know. I don't, I'm just, I've heard this thing is lucrative. I hear it's fun. I hear it's, you can build, but I don't know. It's nice if you have some direction. For example, a basic example is, would you rather, do you like, do you like visiting websites on your phone or do you like visiting on your computer? That already tells you whether you should look into mobile development or uh, web development, right? It's, it's not, it's not a choice of language yet or framework, but at least you pick what, what you're more interested in to start. Um, I would say my, 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 always my first example is try to figure out the simplest game you can build because that's a good place to start with something. Like I said, tic-tac-toe is a perfect example. Tic-tac-toe can probably be built in 50 to 100 lines of code um, in any language. And if you start with that problem and you, you, know, you Google something like you know, how to build a tic-tac-toe game, and pick a simple language, pick anyone. Again, doesn't matter because as we mentioned at the beginning, it doesn't matter. JavaScript, Python, Ruby, whatever. So search how to build tic-tac-toe in Python. Start a tutorial and step one, if they say use this thing in, in Python and you don't know what it is, pause the tutorial, research a video, look at what that thing is. And that way, as I mentioned earlier, you're always tying it back to what you're trying to build. If you try to start start a course or start something like Codecademy, which is a popular recommendation, 
a lot of it is just abstract. The same thing as my economics yeah. education. It's like you're going to declare an, an array of five fruits. I'm like, but but, but what does that what does that mean? Like, it's a list of five items. I don't know what to do with it. Compared to if you have that thing in the back of your mind is I'm going to build a tic tac toe. I'm going to come back to this game. I need a list of X's and O's. Okay, how do I declare a list? What is a list in Python? And you branch off. It's it's very hard to give that advice because, as I mentioned earlier, that means the student has to take their own initiative in learning. They have to find their own instructions, but then be willing to pause it and research something else. There's not going to be a step by step routine explaining to them. You know, first first this is a list. You have to make that initiative. That's very very hard and frustrating. Um, but I would say I would say pick a smallest project you can possibly build. Um, if you're doing pandas. Uh, your goal is I want to import, you know, my credit card bill and I want to sort it from lowest to highest. That's already a project. That's already something small that you need four lines in pandas to do that. But that already is going to tell you, well, how do I install pandas? What is pandas? How do I import a data set? How do I sort it? There's four things yeah. to learn in that simple totally, example. Totally. Because the thing like uh, there are a lot of people who have been experts into things, but sometimes I have been saying like they, they use pandas like a pro, but sometimes I feel there's a bit lag in the basics, right? But in ex doing such kind of a things like into trying out few things and the tic-tac-toe or making the credit card, sorting at them, make them even more stronger into the basics and easily they can grab up to the top without any other help, right? Mm -hmm. So the initial, the right. starting is always the one which is really, really hard. hard. <laughs> and then, but, but the thing is, uh, I found few people who actually tend to say, uh, when I say, you're doing hard work, dude, you're, you're really working so hard. Uh, they tend to say me back like saying that, uh, no, Teja, I'm not hardworking. You know, uh, don't call it hard because I don't feel hard because I'm loving it. Wow. I, I was like, wow. I mean, you guys need to be there. Yeah. That's it's good. a great, I mean, that, that actually made me to think, right? Uh, when you actually love it, why do you certainly call it hard work, right? So, and then, uh, and then certainly yeah. I, I started questioning uh, the favorite quotes of Albert Einstein and a lot of people who meant to say hard work is the success something and <laughs> everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, uh, I feel something like uh, hard work, right? The hard work <laughs> is mm. the one which is kind of a bit more important than the hard work, right? Something yeah. I got it with some phrase, but it, that's how it goes up. And they need to put their heart set instead of their mindset. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> right. The brain is the one that's creating all the complications. Yeah. If your heart yeah, likes yeah. it. You'll, you'll endure the, the totally, tough because, because the genuine thing is for the people who've been thinking about more and deeper is that uh, they will never become what their mind is saying or what their mindset is. They will always become unintentionally or subconsciously what their heart is saying, right? It's yeah. very true, right? But they couldn't, they couldn't realize that they are becoming something their inner thing is happening, not the thing what the brain is thinking, right? But anyhow, that's right. the kind of thing really fun and kind of a bit weird to think about. <laughs> so it's kind of fun. And again, these are the questions that I had uh, because you're one of my teachers and I learned a lot from you. And every time I see, I, I still reflect back to the things what you meant. And every time I try for an interview into data science, <laughs> you are the one that I get to. And absolutely, because Pandas is the one which is not negotiable in any of the interviews. <laughs> so you're nowhere, yeah. you're nowhere negotiable for me. <laughs> not just because of that, but now more than the course, it's more about the mindset. I love the way that you put things and I love the way how optimistic you are and I love the way that you deal with 
the things in multiple things and constrain and put them together for a better purpose, right? And it, it's a great to have Sorry. you and also it's so happy for me. But before that, if you feel like sharing to the listeners something to all of them, feel free to. Uh, sure. Well, thank thank you all for listening. Uh, hope 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 this has been beneficial. Uh, I always try not not to pitch myself as a superhero. I'm still learning. I'm I'm still in your boat. I'm always learning. I'm always failing. I'm always trying new things. So, best of luck to everybody, uh, and and best of luck in whatever you pursue, whether it be technical or non technical. So, hope hope this has been beneficial. Absolutely, Thanks. I think that will definitely. So, we've been talking about a lot of things, and they could pick the things about what they're fascinated about, and what they are in need, and what they are lacking of. They could take them up and put it up and apply it, and let's see if that works. If not, try out the things. Like we need to be figuring out various things. We never know which works. Right? Absolutely, it's definitely. So, thank you so no, much no. for being here, Brewerways. It it really means a lot to me, and thanks for accepting the invite and. Thanks for taking time to be here and have a conversation with me, with, with bearing with all my lame jokes. <laughs> so, uh, thank you so much. I have a lot of bad jokes too. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been Absolutely. wonderful. Wow. If you are the one looking forward to adapting machine learning into your career, take a look at our sponsors, Sundog Education, and start free trial with a lot of hands-on activities and exercises. You can practice whatever you have learned. Visit sundog-education.com and you can find all the direct links in the episode notes below. Thank you.